Hello and welcome to episode 43 of the Talk Witchcraft podcast. In this episode, Erica and I will be talking about why shadow work is important to witchcraft. You're listening to Talk Witchcraft. On this podcast, we talk about witchcraft as a lifestyle and discover how to merge magic into your daily life. Every week, we'll demystify witchy topics like tarot, astrology, crystals, herbs, and more as you develop your personal brand of magic and create the life of your dreams. We're We're your your hosts, the Mystic Sisters, Sisters, Erica and Maggie. In this segment of the show, we choose a tarot card for the week, and we look for moments that relate to this card in our daily lives. For this episode, we chose the Five of Cups. The theme of this card is emotional perspective. The figure in this card is wearing a heavy black cloak and their head is bowed, looking down at the three spilled cups. It has the appearance of grief literally shrouded in darkness, but there are two unspilled cups behind the figure that they are not giving any attention to. For me, the three spilled cups are the hopes and dreams lost. They could be hopes and dreams about any area of your life, But the stillness of the card and the direction of their gaze makes me think that it's about the importance of spending the necessary time acknowledging that loss, whether there's regret, grief, depression, hopelessness, anger, or another emotion. But they don't live over there with the cups. They live on the other side of the river and eventually they will need to go home. So this is a reminder that time will go on without you. So don't spend too much time focusing on what is lost. Take the time necessary and no more or less. When this person is ready, they can turn around and look at those other two cups that are still upright. And along the theme of the spilled cups being lost hopes and dreams, the two upright cups are present and future hopes and dreams that are, there's still a potential there. So they can pick up those two cups and walk across the bridge to the safety of their castle and go on with their life. So the the message here is that if you spend too much time on the past, on any fallen hopes and dreams, the dreams of the present and the future will evaporate. And that makes life meaningless. So that's the perspective theme coming through. The person is only looking in this direction towards the past. Their perspective is living in the past where they can only see what's gone wrong. But if they turn around, the new perspective is the potential of living intentionally in the present and what that could mean for their future. So do you have a five of cups story, Erica? I keep I keep ragging on my ex, but I see my ex a lot in this card. (laughs) She had a hard time letting go of things that had happened to her and spent a lot of time in a state of victimhood. She never quite got the gra- the handle on um, looking for what's next, for finding the joy in the situation, for figuring out how to move forward through the despair and grief. And that was really hard for me because I I'm not that person. I'm always looking for the next thing, the next project, the next task the next hope, the next dream. And um, I don't spend a lot of time in this went badly and I can't go forward from here. I don't hold grudges. I don't do that kind of stuff. I'm pretty chill, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So 
it, it was frustrating to live with a person who couldn't move forward and couldn't see the two upright cups that mm-hmm. were there for the taking there. It's not like they're being hidden. They're right there in front of this person in the card, you know? Right. They, they just have to turn around or like change their perspective or exactly see the bigger picture, I guess, because yeah. they're so in the card, they're so focused especially if you think about the cloak over their head it's like tunnel vision pointing right at those spilled cups Mm -hmm. um but you know if they broaden their horizon and take down the hood they can see the whole picture that there's yes those things happen and we shouldn't just ignore them but there's also like all these other things around us that we can also focus on yeah what about you Maggie do you have a story (laughs) this card actually followed me around for like a long time like it would always come up in my readings and I wasn't really sure why because I always see myself as a really positive like optimistic person looking at like the bright side of things or like if something bad happens I'm like well at least this also happened or like it made it so that this could happen and so I was kind of confused as to why I kept getting this card because I didn't think I was looking at those bad things that I was experiencing Um, And so I think for me, it's kind of the flip side of the card was like, hey, you maybe need to deal with some of this stuff. (laughs) Like, We're going to talk about it more in this episode about um, like toxic positivity and always trying to like suppress emotions or not feel things doing shadow work. Obviously, that's our theme for this episode. And so this card was kind of giving me the lesson of like, you need to do shadow work. You can't be in this positivity only good vibes only space until you deal with like figuring out how your emotions work and what they're called and all of that so that's like I guess another side of this card is that it's not like you're always focused on the bad stuff it could be that you're not focused enough on it or you haven't worked through things yet right right so what do you think are you ready to switch over to our main topic for the week Sounds good. As we mentioned at the beginning, today we're going to share with you advice for practicing shadow work. So what is shadow work? The concept of shadow work comes from Carl Jung, who called the subconscious mind the human shadow because this is where he believed a person hides the darker aspects of their self. Over time, the field of psychology began calling the work one does learning about an integrating their shadow as shadow work. So where does the shadow come from, Maggie? So these darker parts of the self come from a huge variety of sources. And that means that shadow work is a lifelong pursuit and a continuous pursuit. It's not just like, oh, I did my shadow work. I'm done. I'm good. Um, Because there's always new pieces of the shadow emerging And some parts of our shadow are buried very deep. So it's a long-term pursuit of reflection, investigation, and evaluation. The shadow is a culmination of every experience, every belief that you have about yourself and the world, every thought you've ever had for your entire life. So it forms primarily in childhood because that's when you're really developing. And those are your impressionable years of when you're learning about yourself and the world. And when you're starting to comprehend what is normal based on your circumstances, your home life, your upbringing, your unique version of normal based on all of those things becomes this measuring stick that you use to judge the experiences that you have throughout your life. Um, 
even if some of that isn't necessarily accurate to the perspective of your life. It's just something that you use to measure and you start to figure out whether or not that measuring stick is accurate or what you want to use or if there's some things that aren't quite right. So just one more question about shadow work. Why do you think we need shadow work, Erica? Why do we actually do this work? Well, everyone has a unique story. Different traumas, experiences, parental figures, friendships, cultural and societal influences, you know, all these things that make us make up who we are and and uh, develop our perspective on the world. So it varies. And we'll boil it down to the essence that is common among witches. The reason witches need to do shadow work is ultimately to be better, better witches, better in relations with family and friends better at work at home, better in love, better in the self. I like to think about like being my bet, the best version of myself. Like if, if there was a favorite, yeah. If there was a ultimate picture of who Erica is, what is that entity? Yeah. And also keeping in mind that what that version is one day will change from day to day. So the best version of myself might be different today than it was yesterday based on what I am capable of from day to day. Yeah. But I very rarely make statements about things that all witches ought to do because I believe that each witchcraft practice is as unique as the witch. However, in the case of shadow work, I do believe wholeheartedly that shadow work is a practice that all witches should pursue in one way or another. Yeah, I agree. Witchcraft relies on a deep understanding of yourself and the relationship with your magic. Without shadow work, you function purely on the surface and this severely limits your potential. Shadow work takes you to the dark and hidden parts of ourselves and we that we regularly ignore and pretend don't exist or don't want or don't need. So when you go into this space, you can learn about it and evaluate and accept yourself completely and it gives you freedom to change and the knowledge on how to change. Think about like with the Zodiac. So I'm a Capricorn and I could just say like, Capricorns are stubborn. That's just how I am. But if I think about the shadow work part of that, it's saying, okay, I'm stubborn, but how can I use that to the greatest potential? How can I make that? So it's not an excuse for my behaviors, but an actual, um, a like valuable component of who I am. Yeah, which, yeah, I think that's an important thing to think about because it's not about going in and hacking out the darker parts of yourself. It's not about removing that stubbornness, like you mentioned, or or some other trait that maybe isn't um, the ideal version of yourself. Or, but it's about uncovering those parts. It's about figuring out what parts you've forgotten, which parts you've hidden from yourself. And recognizing that those parts might be hurting or tender, and the goal is to heal them and to see how they can be improved upon or strengthened, not to remove them, not to keep hiding them, not to keep forgetting about them. Because at its essence, shadow work is the most radical form of self-love. It's about giving yourself the opportunity to 
love those parts of yourself that you have been told are unworthy of love, that some that you have told yourself is unworthy of love. And that really gives you the freedom to be exactly who you are, warts and all, so to speak. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm reminded right now because it's happening in my life. Um, a friend is going through a job change and she's been told in job after job that her, not like directly, but in an indirect way that she's not a good fit. And she likes to work with autonomy. She doesn't like to be micromanaged. She likes to be given a project and then allowed to run with it. And in her field, a little bit of micromanaging is necessary in order to keep it, you know, quality controlled and make sure no mistakes are made and that everybody's results are getting to the people that it needs to go to. While her work ethic and her work habits in themselves are not bad things, they're bad things in her current field. So when she got a, a review that wasn't bad, but it wasn't great either, she made the statement of what's wrong with me? And she, we had to do some shadow work to come to the conclusion that it's not what's wrong with her. It's that her work, the way she likes to work was wrong for the field that she was in. And she needed to find a job where that those qualities of her, of the way that she works would be valued. So yeah, like finding a place where those are strengths rather than weaknesses. Absolutely. Because in the work that she was in, those were warts. <laughs> but right. in the in the different position, they're a beauty mark or some other <laughs> a freckle. <laughs> yeah, something <laughs> that's better. Yeah. So so they're not, so it was that's what shadow work is, at least the way that Maggie and I view it is, is not about changing who you are or getting rid of the quote unquote bad qualities of yourself. It's figuring how to make those bad qualities strengths and where do they become strengths? Yes. Like we're, you were saying before about being better in any area of your life, being a better you, being a better for your work, being better for your relationships through understanding. And another reason to practice shadow work is that magic relies at least in part on belief. And any beliefs you hold can either limit or empower your spell work at rituals and other activities. So shadow work is how you dig into the parts of your mind to find out what beliefs are lurking there that may be affecting or blocking your manifesting abilities. Right. Because like you can pour your energy into a spell and you can figure out the correspondences that are the exact right ones for the spell you're trying to cast, or you can choose the perfect timing or collect the exact right ingredients. And I say all of this with air quotes, but, um, and then, you know, everything that goes into your spell. But if you have a deeply held belief that you are unworthy of what you are asking for, or that you are being selfish to want more than what you have, or any other number of limiting beliefs, then that magic is unlikely to work. Because your conscious mind may be saying, yes, I deserve it. It is already mine. I can do anything. I'm capable of greatness. But then your subconscious mind might be working in the background 24-7 saying, no, I don't. I won't ever have it. It's, I'm worthless and I can't do it. Mm -hmm. So they're kind of working against each other. Right. It's that gremlin that we've talked about. It's, um, I just heard recently, it's the inner critic 
And um, I think that's the psychology term for it that um, we've talked about before that's saying like, it's it ultimately it's protecting you it's protecting you from getting hurt it's saying um like if you if you try for this then it's you're gonna fail and it's gonna hurt you and I don't want that to happen so the gremlin it it means it means well its intent is good but its impact is poor so we need to teach the gremlin and the inner critic um, to that it's okay. I thank you for your advice. It's not needed right now. I'm okay. Um, and it takes the shadow work to do that. Yeah, to learn how to hear those thoughts. Because, uh, you know, before you're used to doing shadow work or before you get into the practice and the habit of it, you might not hear those thoughts um, because they are part of your subconscious mind. And most of us are more accustomed to listening to the conscious mind if we listen to our thoughts at all and so learning to hear those first of all is like one of the main stages of practicing shadow work and then learning how to have a conversation with that gremlin <laughs> to remind <laughs> it where what you really want and what that you don't need their protection and the, the last reason to practice shadow work is to achieve a central principle of magic, which is to know thyself. If you don't know yourself, you will be taken by surprise frequently. It's the same way other people can act in unpredictable ways until we know them better. So without self-knowledge, your magic will be ineffective at best and unpredictable with unintended, unintended consequences at worst. Yes. Knowing yourself gives you the ability to access great power, the power that you hold um, to get in tune with the energy around you as well, the power that's flowing around. It helps you to understand your limits and to strengthen your weaknesses as we've talked about. And not only that, it also reveals your spiritual self because when you get to know your physical self, you're also getting to know that next layer of your spiritual self or your favorite self or your best self or whatever you want to call it um, so that you can better understand your dreams so that you can connect with any sort of psychic senses or intuitive abilities you can travel the astral plane and you can direct your power for spells and rituals so you know basically shadow work is important to everyone because it's self-therapy and it helps you accept yourself which ultimately makes us feel happier and healthier but perhaps more importantly, for a witch in particular, shadow work is how you make your magic work with ease. And we're going to talk more about what happens if you don't practice shadow work later on in this episode. But first, a word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Nettle. So I'll start by telling you about the medicinal properties and then Maggie, you can share the magical properties. So I mentioned nettle earlier um, in another episode of the podcast. Um, this is the anti-allergy herb. It has a lot of really great things that help to prevent those allergy symptoms, red eyes, itchy eyes, runny nose, post-nasal drip, all of those things called by inflammation, antihistamines. Um, well, it would be the histamines because it's an antihistamine. It just, it takes care of anything related to allergies. So it's basically Benadryl in plant form. 
It also is an adrenal tonic, which means that it acts on the adrenal glands for, it's also an adrenal tonic, which means it acts on the adrenal glands. If you think adrenal comes is what makes adrenaline. So it helps to support healthy energy levels, healthy uh, cognitive functions. It, It promotes stamina and endurance during times of activity. So uh, in addition to the using it as an anti-allergen, you can use it before you start uh, an exercise routine to help promote some um, energy and stamina for that. The thing that I cannot stress enough is the the anti-allergy components that it has. And it is best used in a tincture. So a tincture, again, is... Uh, plant material in alcohol. If you're uh, refraining from alcohol in any way, then um, you can also uh, infuse it in water for a tea. I do caution that nettle is very bitter, so it's not going to make a very yummy tea. It's very grassy in nature. I would say that you could shoot it like a like in a shot glass and it would have the same effects. Again, because it's not medicine, these are things, uh, the way that I use my tincture is I take it every morning during allergy season and it kind of is an extra precaution, but it's it's something that is working in your body over time. And I still do take anti-allergy medication when I'm having a significant flare up but it's, it's one of those things that works continuously in your body and, and you develop it over time. And you should be, take caution when you're harvesting it because it is called the stinging nettle. It has little pokies that will release a itchy substance into your skin um, and can cause a, uh, a slight rash. So wear gloves when you are harvesting it and just be cautious for it. I used to work in a place that had stinging nettles in the Pacific Northwest. We always had to be so careful because I would lead kids through the woods. So I'd always point them out as like a safe. That was one of our safety things. Like, look at this plant. Don't touch this plant, (laughs) but look at it. And then, um, but interestingly, if you put a, slug on the place where you've been stung the like slime of the slug will relieve the pain oh yeah good foraging tip so if you do get stung if you're not wearing your gloves or if you if it sneaks up on you find a slug (laughs) (laughs) so I'll share some of the magical properties now stinging nettle corresponds with active energy the planet mars fire element and aries and scorpio It makes sense that it would correspond with Scorpio because it's a stinging nettle and Scorpio is a stinging scorpion. The main use for stinging nettle is the protective aspect. When you think about magical uses of plants, it's often the way that the plant uses uses its parts is how it can be used magically. So the stinging aspect of the plant is to prevent things from eating it. It's a protective measure. So we can extrapolate that by using the stinging nettle as a protective measure against things that might want to hurt us. You can carry it in a satchel or a a charm bag or make a poppet with dried nettle in it. 
and that can be protective. It can repel negative energy that you don't want around you or malevolent influences, or if you feel like you're being hexed or cursed, carrying this with you can send that back where it came from. And you can also sprinkle the dried plant around your home, and that will also repel those energies that you don't want around you. When it's mixed with yarrow, it is very helpful for removing your fears and dispelling negativity and darkness. Uh, so it can be really useful to use this as an incense during shadow work because it can both reveal those things to you and it can help you to uh, get through the darkness in order to see more clarity about what your shadow looks like. And additionally, nettle can help to protect you from uh, any sort of like public speaking fears that's common fear for people it is a it's sort of it protects you from the feelings of being ridiculed or laughed at and it also helps you to feel more confident um, and remove any of your doubts in yourself or that imposter syndrome so you can have it as a tea and mix in a lot of honey because like Erica said it doesn't taste great uh, in my opinion it's very much like drinking hay <laughs> so you can drink the tea mixed in a bunch of honey and that honey will also sweeten your presentation and then nettle can also be used for lusty activities so if you are trying to get in the mood then you can have nettle tea or you could sprinkle nettles on the bed it's a that stinging like mixture between like pain and pleasure and there's that scorpion energy there scorpio energy there so nettle is a passion lust inducer so now we've told you what shadow work is and where the shadow comes from and why we should practice shadow work especially as witches now you may be wondering what happens if you don't practice shadow work yes i know a lot of people who just pretend the shadow doesn't exist and they prefer to dwell in the realms of love and light and positive vibes only. And I get it. It feels much more pleasant to not muck about in the darker places of yourself and of society. But we live in a polar universe. We can't have light without shade and vice versa. We can't just live in the shadow without seeing the light in ourselves as well. So pretending otherwise, pretending that we can have one and not the other, is what's considered spiritual bypassing. So will you tell us what spiritual bypassing is, Erica? Yes, I will. Spiritual bypassing is a term coined in 1984 by psychologist John Wellwood. According to Wellwood, spiritual bypassing is the use of spiritual practices and beliefs to avoid dealing with our painful feelings, unresolved wounds, and developmental needs. Spiritual bypassing takes multiple forms, most predominantly in the form of suppressing one's own emotions. This is especially true of un unpleasant emotions such as anger. Yeah, I know. I remember when I first entered the spiritual community, one of the first lessons I was presented with was this quote. It's often misattributed to Buddha. And the quote goes, holding on to anger is like grasping a hot coal with the intent of harming another. You are the one who ends up getting burned. It actually came from Buddha Gosa from the fifth century, and it's widely misused. The statement clearly mentions holding on to anger, not being angry. So many people, especially those involved in the love and light positivity only movement, use this quote to express that you should never be angry or 
have any other low vibe emotions like sadness or grief or despair or hopelessness. In truth, this quote is telling us, and it's specifically speaking to anger, that when we hold on to the anger is what brings harm. But it doesn't mention being angry. And so to me, that means that we may sometimes feel anger. And if we do, in order to avoid being hurt, we need to learn how to let it go. Yeah, for sure. Humans feel a range of emotions and learning to recognize what emotion we're feeling and why is extremely healthy. Emotions emotions let you know something is going well and how to recreate that feeling and when something is wrong or unsafe and how it should be addressed. So there's this misunderstanding in the spiritual new age and witchcraft communities that is part of this love and light movement that one must not have any dark emotions or things that feel unpleasant in the body. And it's actually prevalent in most areas of society, especially in America. It's a concept known as toxic positivity, where everything has to be positive all the time and you can't feel anything that's not positive or bad things will happen. So the belief here is that magic works through attracting similar vibrations to what our thoughts are. So if we're having negative thoughts, it would follow that you're going to attract negative things. This logic is flawed because the darker aspects of ourselves don't disappear when we ignore them. In fact, they get worse. They get more neglected and they start to act out. And that's not really the point anyway. As we mentioned before, shadow work is not about removing the negativity. It's about accepting it. Yeah, so with 11 light be positive mentality, we end up judging ourselves and others for expressing negative emotions in favor of staying positive. Living in a be positive life is a deflection for people who don't want to do the difficult work of confronting their own eternal issues, wounds, or baggage. It's really easy to say things like, I'm just trying to be positive, or I'm thinking positive thoughts, or I'm not focusing on the negative. It's a lot harder to confront those emotions in order to begin the healing process. You literally cannot get rid of your negative thoughts and emotions, nor would you want to. They are a basic human experience and they have value to your well-being. Right. And there's this element of victim blaming when it comes to this idea that if, you're, if you don't have positive thoughts all the time, then bad things are going to happen to you. That just means that people who have bad things happen to them deserved it because they weren't thinking the right way. And I ju- that just doesn't sit right with me. I don't see how that can be uh, a spiritual way to believe. Yeah, and it's the positive platitudes, the idea that like, the grass is always greener or look for the silver lining or all of these things It diminishes the feelings that you're having. And it diminishes how you are reacting to something, which we have talked about many, many, many times on this podcast, your, your feelings are valid. The way that you react to something is valid. And having somebody tell you that you should think positively invalidates you and it's it's not fair and it's not human nature yeah it's like you said before about the emotions that they are alerting you to something they're telling you something important whether that's that this is an unsafe situation or something in this 
conversation is upsetting and I need to address it so that I don't feel resentful towards this other person or some other reason that you're feeling that emotion, that's an important thing to be connected with, to keep yourself safe and to ultimately be happy and healthier. We're not saying that being positive isn't a good thing. It's important to spend the majority of your time in high vibe emotions. And, you know, I've, I've talked about that. I'm looking for the joy in life. That's an internal expression of, of happiness. And it's, you know, like we, we want ultimately the goal is to be in a good place in a good emotional place but you can't skip the hard work of dealing with those low vibe emotions and doing the shadow work. You learn tools and techniques. You need to recognize the unhelpful emotions, but understand where they're coming from and then letting them go. So basically live in love and light. There's nothing wrong with being in that place, but just make sure you haven't bypassed the shadow in order to get there. Just make sure that the shadow is part of that love and light attitude. This season, we are celebrating the goddesses of the world. And so for each goddess, as we've done in past episodes, we will give you a theme so that you can develop a ritual or practice or manifestation or something like that for the week. And as always, I am using Anne Shen's Legendary Ladies Goddess deck. This week, we will choose Aditi. She is the Hindu goddess of creation. Goddess of the universe Aditi is empowering you to create at will. Be the change you want to see in the world. Go out and make it happen. So Maggie, how will you invite creation into your world this week? Well, Witchcraft 201 is done. By the time this podcast comes out, it will have been announced on Instagram already. The rest of the creation is Witchcraft 202. And that is the next creation that I will be creating. (laughs) Hooray! I have signed up last year for a memoir journaling class where every week it gives me a topic to write about related to myself to help create a memoir. And so I haven't been able to do it this year from ADHD and laziness and not having enough time. So I thought that NaNoWriMo would be a good uh, way to work through some of those journal prompts. So I am going to create something under the guise of NaNoWriMo. So we also want to hear from you. Please go to witchwanderer.com, sign up for Mumbles Academy at whatever level you would like, and then you can answer this question yourself. How will you invite creativity and creation into your world this week? Next week, we will be moving on to our next tarot card, which is the Six of Cups. And this card is all about innocence, nostalgia, 
playfulness and childhood. So it's about acknowledging your inner child, having nostalgic feelings or remembering your childhood, having sentimental memories, being more childlike as well. So being more playful or allowing yourself to be naive or innocent and also sharing and recollecting your life which is perfect for you, Erica, with your memoir. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So we'll be looking for the Six of Cups in our daily life this week. And if you would like to share a story about the Six of Cups, please send us a voicemail at welisten at talkwitchcraft.com. You can find out more about this episode by going to mumblesandthings.com slash blog slash 043. Join us next week when we talk about sex magic. Make sure that you subscribe so that you are notified about each new episode and help other witches find this show by leaving us a five-star review wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also find us on Instagram at Mumbles and Things and join us in the Mumbles Academy to chat about this episode with other witchy folk. Bye-bye. Goodbye. Wow, all these cords are tickling my legs. Having sensory overload. How do you spell chocolate? Is there an E on the end? Yes. Okay. Choco late.